Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lori Clark Show. This episode of my podcast is brought to you with the help of ZoomUs, a video and audio conferencing interface. It's important to know that I'm in no way sponsored by Zoom. I just want to tell you how much I love it. It is very reliable, easy to use, and provides excellent audio and video files that my team and I produce to share the power of story with you. Another non-sponsored, couldn't do without, but just have to tell you how good it is, is Squarespace. When they say it is the all-in-one platform, it really is true. I go into the back end of my website multiple times a day, adjust things, post podcast, add links, and look at our show's analytics, which all sync across my devices. And when I need an image, Squarespace provides an excellent resource that's powered by Unsplash. Now for my most favorite feature, the Squarespace app. Um, Being a working mom, there never seems to be enough time in my day. So when my daughter's in ballet, I sit in my car and upload, post, and manage everything on my website from the app. It's really cool and seamless. Squarespace is really, really simple and very dedicated to helping me create a brand of excellence. So with that, big shout out to Zoom, Squarespace, and Unsplash. Thank you for helping me tell people's stories. With that said, let's move on to the best part about today, the show. Please allow me to welcome my next guest on The Lori Clark Show. So thank you for coming and thank you for being um, willing to come on the show today. It's really exciting. It's really exciting to have you. Um, Toxic relationships. Where do we begin? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's very common. Um, It's a very common issue. It seems like almost everyone at some point in their lives have had a toxic relationship, whether it's within their family or romantic relationships. So um, usually if you have a toxic relationship in your family, you know, it's very likely you're going to experience also a romantic toxic relationships. So it's, uh, I would say it's one of the major challenges in life. Okay. So can you begin by, um, Let's just define Mm -hmm. the toxic relationship. So there's going to be people who are repelled by the word toxic in the first place, right? So let's help them discover, um, just open the door for a perspective here. For me, the easiest way to understand if a relationship is toxic or not is uh, whether a relationship is... uh, is equal whether two people who are in the relationships are are on sort of equal ground is there reciprocity is there mutual respect is there any kind of mutuality do you feel like you know i'm giving this 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 and i'm not getting this in return um you know if you're dealing with someone who is uh you know by definition is not on the same level. For example, a child and a parent. There can still be reciprocity. Uh, there can still be mutual respect, and there should be. Um, but when there isn't, you start experiencing uh, lack. Um, you start experiencing all these uh, negative emotional states. Uh, you start feeling insecure. You start feeling uh, like maybe something is wrong with me. Uh, is it me? Am I the reason? You know. So. Uh, then it kind of leads to um, toxic states of mind. And that's actually uh, perhaps the bigger issue than toxic relationship. How toxic relationship uh, sort of devolve into toxic states of mind and how they then um, enable us or allow us to sink even deeper into these unequal abusive relationships. Wow. Okay, so toxic states of mind. Mm-hmm. One of those would be a negative cycle, like cycling thoughts. Right, right. 
toxic states of mind, example, guilt, um, recurring guilt, uh, constant guilt that's sort of always in the back of your mind. Uh, shame is another one. Um, shame is probably one of the most uh, harmful toxic states. Person experiencing shame, you know, this is a, this is like a personal hell. Uh, this is um, a feeling that um, it's not about something that you did, but something about who you are inside. So a person experiencing shame is um, really, it, it, it's a vicious, vicious cycle. Um, another example is, is uh, like I mentioned, uh, insecurity. Um, when you're in a toxic relationship or abusive relationship, however you want to call it, for um, a long time, it starts affecting your self-esteem. The lower your self-esteem, the longer you're going to stay with the abuser because they're sort of reinforce that low self-esteem for you. And they make you feel like this is the best that you deserve. This is the best you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, show's done. <laughs> Thanks. I'm going to go home now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I could clear that up. <laughs> oh, you cleared that up for me, just in yeah. case I was wondering, which I was. <laughs> <laughs> this is really important. And I also have um, um, the shame and the guilt would also come into play when, um, in, especially in a toxic state of mind, when you are not believed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So the, the problem that we're going to have in this interview is that there are a thousand layers to this mm -hmm. and we're not going to be able to discover or uncover all of this in right. one episode, but, um, but, you know, would you, as that is the, the groundwork here, the toxic state of mind, would you then walk us through, like, can you share a little bit about your personal journey with this experience? Because it's quite obvious on your website that you have mm -hmm. some, you've had some, uh, you've journeyed here before. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. Um, well, any person who is interested in psychology in general, I think, uh, is coming from uh, a desire to heal themselves. So this is uh, exactly how it started for me. I grew up with um, a difficult father, to say it lightly. Um, so this was sort of my first introduction to a uh, a difficult or abusive or uh, certainly unequal relationship. So um, at the age of 20, I left my family. I immigrated to the United States. Um, a big part of the decision was just wanting to be away or wanting to be at the maximum distance from him. Um, as I've mentioned, that sort of experience, that sort of personal history often leads to, um, some difficult, abusive personal relationships. I've certainly experienced those, had a personal experience with, uh, narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder, and how confusing it can be in a relationship, how difficult to pinpoint what you're dealing with or what the problem is. Because it can be so great at times, you know, you can be, you know, flying on air. It's, he's fantastic. He's, you know, such a fascinating, bright personality. But then there are other times when you just don't understand what happened. All of these experiences kind of pushed me to um, start learning about how to change my personal matrix, how to change my pattern. Because I started noticing that I am um, attracted to the wrong people, to put it plainly. <laughs> Something is wrong here. If, if, if uh, you know, I seem to, uh, you know, unmistakably pick out the one guy out of the crowd that was either emotionally unavailable or abusive, or both. So 
um, I really started educating myself and trying to learn how to not not how to be attracted to different people, but how to be open to um, other situations, other personalities. And um, after a while, I actually was able to meet someone who was really great. Um, and uh, we got married. So I felt like all my troubles were behind me. <laughs> I have graduated. I've done it. Um, I cured myself. Um, but along with a husband, I received the in-laws, particularly a mother-in-law. So I have realized that my journey is just beginning. Um, it's been a very educational journey because like I said, I felt like I've, you know, I'm done. I'm enlightened. I know everything there is to know. But then here's another level of challenge. Here's another level that you didn't even know was there. So I um, initially, I was very unhappy. I was angry a lot of the times. I was frustrated. I was venting to my husband a lot, which is bad. At some point, I started writing about it. The first article I wrote on the topic was actually about a mother-in-law. It's called 10 Signs. You have a toxic mother-in-law. And that's how it all started. I was just shocked and um, amazed with the response, how many people were telling me that they were going through exactly the same thing, but that they can completely relate to that experience and that they can't really talk to anybody about it because they want to maintain appearances with their friends and loved ones and they don't want to bother their spouse. And so... Oftentimes, they also feel like it's their fault, like it's something that they've done or failed to do. So I started kind of digging deeper and writing more, and that's how the website started. Wow. And you are still married. Yes. And you still have this experience. (laughs) Yes, yes. But my perspective on it changed over the years somewhat. I mean, I don't know where to dive in, but I, I, something that really, there's two things that caught me. One we'll add later, but the first one is you said something about venting to your partner. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a partner, as a spouse, as a person, you're on the journey together. You're naturally going to say what is happening. Yeah. And you get another perspective of being in that family. And then you go in to this other dynamic that's been there since the dawn of time. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you go, okay, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. And whether your partner or not is aware, that is really where the whole thing starts to break down because you're going right. to bring up things and it's going to create an awareness. So when you say something like venting to your partner about the family, it's not always a great idea. Um, let's talk about that first because mm-hmm. it's really the first entry point into this rabbit hole. Absolutely. Dynamic. I mean, you, you should share with your partner. Uh, that's why, you know, it's your partner. Yeah. Uh, but there's a certain point where it gets to be too much for them. Uh, for example, my husband, you know, he was aware uh, he had his own difficulties with his mother. But, um, you know, to hear it from me and to hear it all the time and to feel powerless to change anything. Um, and also, you know, at the end of the day, it's his mother, you know, no matter the issues that he has with her, it's that factor you know you know it's his mother <laughs> so um over time I just try to kind of uh keep him out of it as much as possible of course it's not always possible of course he still knows a lot most of it how but- do you get to how do you get to um to where you just said it still is his mother. It's her mother. It's his mm-hmm. father. It's her father, his sister. 
the sister, the aunt, the whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that place where you just go, I got to pull back here because mm-hmm. this still is someone that you love. And if they're not that person that you are talking to about their family, isn't on board with you. Mm-hmm. How does that change the cycle? Your husband would be, or your partner would be, uh, understanding of what you're going through i know a lot of people are in a situation where their partner is not understanding they do not see what they see i think that's the worst situation to be in when you truly feel alone and i want people to know who are in this situation that they're not alone uh, you know a lot of us are in the situation and you can always find someone to talk to someone online or maybe not online but um there are a lot of us and you're not alone. Um, but with the venting, I, I just think it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword on the one hand. Yes. It can give you some relief, some comfort, um, some validation, but it, it should be taken in small doses because at the end of the day, you know, this is something that's, you know, probably going to affect your partner yeah. emotionally, yeah. negatively. Um, and there's just some things, um, small things that you can probably handle on your own without involving anybody. So let's speak to the exhaustion Mm -hmm. of having a toxic person in your life. Because, you know, there's an energy that happens between people. I, I'm a firm believer that we live in an energetic world yeah. that there's low frequency, there's high frequency. And when mm-hmm. someone, when you are light, mm-hmm. you are holding that energy in a high frequency and someone comes along that may not be, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a, it is just like this massive smashing of worlds, colliding mm-hmm. worlds. And it really creates an imbalance. Mm-hmm even just an energetic imbalance. So um, these kinds of dynamics can be very confusing. Can you see people who are just exhausted? Because that exhaustion leads you to do a few things. It leads you to go, okay, okay, you win. You win. Mm -hmm. Or it leads you to go, I'm out of here. Or... It leads you just to tolerate. Right. So how do you navigate this exhaustion? Oh, God. Great question, Lori. Um, You know, when you talk about high frequencies and low frequencies and how they collide, uh, typically what happens is that the low frequency will become a sort of a vampiric presence in the high frequency person's life. If that high... uh, energy or high vibration person doesn't have proper protections or boundaries you know it doesn't you know i'm not talking about stuff that's maybe other some people can't relate to in terms of energy or or frequency but just even on a simple relational emotional level having boundaries having boundaries with your time this is the biggest one for me the more time you spend with a toxic person, the more exhausted you're going to be. doesn't matter how much you protect yourself, you know, visualize all this stuff or, or tell yourself, oh, you know, don't pay attention. There's still uh, a taxing effect just from their presence. So limit your time, you know, if you can't do no contact. And most people in these situations, you know, cannot do no contact. Uh, Low contact. Low contact is probably the best way to go. Um, another thing is, again, this is this is kind of a deeper, deeper area, deeper question. Is about changing um, your mindset, changing how you um, react emotionally, and how you even perceive the situation. If you are um, sort of trained yourself to not get involved emotionally no matter what they say or do then you're gonna you know keep your 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 energy 
So you're talking about the setting of the boundary um, mm-hmm. and time. What I find really interesting is that those are the two main things that mm-hmm. almost seem to be the fuel mm-hmm. for the fire. It's the Friday night dinner. Or, right. Or it's the family function or mm-hmm. the birthday. You might have done what you said, lowered your points of connection. But when they come out, mm-hmm. <laughs> they come out in a blaze of glory, you know? And right, right, right. So, so, you know, I think there's a really important thing here about um, changing the mindset because the mindset can be just your own personal power. Mm-hmm. And we have to look at that because there's a confidence. If we get taken out by their instability mm-hmm. or, or maybe they're not unstable. Maybe they're super, super strong. Right. But either way, we, if we go off. We, we're not grounded ourselves. Right. It's all about personal power and giving your power away. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I would say that it's probably a process. It's not like a, (laughs) I feel like you just want like some kind of magic trick here or a formula. I wish there was. My God, I wish there was. I think with any change, you have to start with yourself. Um, We've mentioned, we touched on that before, that um, you're not going to change that difficult person in your life. They're not going to change and yet you're not going to change them. There's nothing that you can do or say to change them um, or alter their behavior, at least not in the long run. You know, you, they can use little alterations um, in response to your boundaries, maybe, but that's it. So if you're stuck with that person, there's no way that you can get them out of your life um, or get away from, from them. You know, you have to uh, start changing how you react to them. And um, I do speak a little bit about the mindsets that I um, have developed over the years and I recommend when dealing with toxic people. So one is sort of seeing them as there is a certain mental uh, uh, incapacity there, some sort of handicap uh, that uh, is making it so difficult to be in a normal, healthy, equal relationship with them. So you have to understand that there's very little self-awareness there. Usually what, why you feel so hurt sometimes uh, is because you take things so personally. Oh, you know, the, my mother said this. Oh, my mother doesn't approve. Oh, you know, my father. is. It, it, it could be anybody, obviously. Um, but because we take things personally, they hurt us. When you start putting a little bit of a distance between that person and yourself, mental distance, that's going to allow you to create this buffer. That's going to um, protect you emotionally and also prevent them from draining you, at least uh, to some degree. So that's number one. Number two is is humor. Um, This is maybe a surprise because obviously there's nothing funny about emotional abuse. But if you approach these situations uh, with a little bit of lightness and react with a chuckle to something that before, you know, you would take deeply into your heart and ruminate over for years and years, um, like that's, that's the power that we're talking about. So, and considering that toxic people often aim to rattle you, to push your buttons, to make you react. When you take that power away from them by just laughing, not necessarily in their face, you can just be quietly amused to yourself. That is taking that power away from them. That is the most powerful thing. And maybe I could use humor to debrief with my partner or my friend later. Right. Um, Right. That will soften it because what you just said is very important. It isn't you. Right. Right. Because if it is you, then you need to start changing some things. Right. Right. Well, I mean, that too. Uh, partially, it could be you in terms of um, 
And that is uh, my, my third point, my third uh, mindset is um, looking for, for life lessons in this experience. Absolutely. Um, I, over all, you know, the course of my life, in particular the last uh, 10 years, I've come to believe uh, very strongly that uh, toxic people in our lives are there for a reason. And it's not necessarily a curse. I mean, it, it feels like a curse. <laughs> it feels like, you know, what have I done to deserve this? When I got married, the first thing that I realized was that I suck at um, setting boundaries. I, I can't do it. Uh, I have problem setting boundaries and saying no in general. Um, I grew up with this idea that, you know, girls have to be always polite and, and, and uh, gentle and diplomatic and never be direct, never be straight with someone, never say no, especially, you know, if they're older than you or in some kind of superior position, like a mother or my husband. Um, so that was the first lesson to me to start, um, you know, ch again, changing that about myself. Because, again, you, you know, they will do as much as you allow. I learned through dealing with toxic relationships in my life that, you know, you always have a goal, right? The goal is, I, I, I want this to be different or I want to be heard. I want to hear you. And sometimes that's not always easy. But right. what I realized is when you can choose yourself and you can drop into your what fuels you the source that that sustains you whether that's grounding <clears> or you know whatever then you move from that point so you go once you learn that you have to come you have to live out of that place Mm -hmm. that, that that grounding place within you is not wobbly. It's like the roots of a tree. When, when you can know your source, then you right. live out of that source. And so it, it kind of adds to the fact that what you said about there, people are in your life for reasons. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're teaching you the lesson of this toxic relationships to teach you that your roots are not as far down as you think they are, that you need to begin to self-discover what is it that knocks me off base and where am I really living out of? I discovered that, you know, to try to deal with the whole situation with toxic relationships is too hard. It's mm -hmm. one moment at a time mm -hmm. and it's coming out of this place. You go, okay, what do I know about myself? Okay. That's the next step. Um, and it will show you, it will, it will guide you. Um, but so often we are defined by that person. Right. By that person's view of us, what they've said to the family, what they've said to their friends about you. Absolutely. That your roots, it seems like your roots don't go deep because you're so affected by it. Mm -hmm. And my, my, my life experience has led me to say, no, no, you got to know who you are, live out of that place in spite of all other people's assessments, judgments, and experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, I teach people to change the way they think about these uh, difficult, toxic people. Because if you change how you think about them, you know, you will change how you react to them. But the more important part is changing the way you think about yourself. Um, the way you think about yourself um, allows, uh, to a certain degree, uh, allows them to be them. Um, so the struggle here is coming out of that state of disempowerment that we were all, most of us anyway, were uh, born into. I say born into because that process, that uh, programming to be disempowered, to be weak, to be helpless, that begins when we are children. There's nothing we can do. We don't affect anything. We're at the mercy, uh, at the mercy of adults and other people in our lives. 
Um, so this is a process of unlearning that helplessness and disempowerment and stepping into your power. So toxic people, having a toxic per person in your life, it's almost like having uh, an accelerant because it, it can take you your whole life to do this, to, to, to go through this process. But if you have someone that constantly challenges you on that level, emotionally, um, spiritually, mentally, then, you know, you just have to, have to develop and grow so fast. Again, I don't want to say it's a good thing because I feel like people might take it the wrong way. It's, it's not good. It's not, it's not a blessing to have a toxic person in your life. But if you can start seeing um, how they've affected you positively over the years, you have to find that uh, benefit. You have to just dig deep and find out what it is. Did it make you stronger? Did it make you wiser? Did it teach you about these sort of people? Can you now pick, pick that person out of, the, uh, out of the crowd? Can you now, you know, immediately uh, know how to adjust when you encounter uh, that kind of person at work or in another situation? I mean, that's, then, then you're doing well. You're doing what you're supposed to do. And learning and asking, what did I learn about myself? Yep. But there's also another thing that you talk about that is really important. When is it time to cut it off? Because there comes a time where you can be giving 25 years, mm -hmm. 30 years of grace to somebody by adjusting perspective. Um, moving through different things, learning about yourself, and then all of a sudden you just go, oh, I, I can't. I, I, I no longer can do it like this. So unfortunately, because you've pivoted, because you've moved and had grace, you've taught them mm -hmm. how to teach, how to treat you, mm -hmm. and now you're saying, i got to get out of here. Yeah. How does that work? Well, it's very difficult on so many levels. Um, most people statistically who decide to go no contact with their uh, family members, if we're talking about these connections, uh, they go back and forth uh, all the time. Uh, it's very hard to just cut ties and walk away for the rest of your life. Yes. Uh, because most people deal with uh, a lot of guilt and shame when cutting off people, um, even when there's uh, good reasons to do so. So I find that the biggest challenge is, is for people to not, not cut ties, because cutting ties is easy. Walking away, saying I'm done is easy. The hard part comes later when you start dealing with this incessant guilt and a lot of people struggling with that and a lot of people uh break no contact for that reason and they don't even know how to do it they're ready to go no contact they say they want to um they say they have to but then how do i deal with guilt or how do i deal with other people in my life who are going to give me grief about it or uh, what if it means that you know i'm saying goodbye to the rest of my family yeah, because that oftentimes, Lena, that's often where we're at. You know, now you're the one that has to answer to everybody and everybody's mad at you. Why can't you just deal with this person? What's wrong with you? Right, right, exactly. And then you're experiencing shame and adversity from your family members mm -hmm. when really what you need is to be heard. Exactly. It just so suggest a way. We're, we're all waiting for your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, people, um, people usually assume that when you go no contact, uh, especially if it's your family member, your parents say that it's some kind of a, it's either a rash decision or emotional decision. Um, it's something you haven't thought through. It's something that you haven't worked through. Um, quite frankly, 
the um, perception usually is that it's an easy way out. And what I found is that it's, it's anything but. It's probably the hardest way to go. But in, in some situations, it is the only way to go. And um, the, one of my biggest messages is, is for people who have decided to go no contact, who are choosing what's best for themselves and for their immediate family, not to feel guilty. I mean, it's, it's obviously you can't tell yourself how to feel, but again, it's a process of working with yourself, with your guilt, uh, letting go of it. Again, it's not going to happen overnight, but eventually. And feelings like that, they sort of come and go. You can be fine for a long time. And then it kind of comes over you like a wave, or maybe you've seen someone, you've seen a relative of yours, and it kind of hits you like a ton of bricks all of a sudden. So to be prepared for that, to um, also, more than anything, to feel compassion for yourself. A lot of people in these situations are so hard on themselves because they're still uh, running all these questions in their minds. What's wrong? What did I do wrong? What is it about me? Um, that led to this situation. They're still blaming themselves on some level. They're still feeling like, well, it's my failure on some level. Even if, you know, mentally they're saying, no, you know, I've done nothing wrong. It's this other person. So um, just being patient with yourself, knowing that these feelings are going to come, don't take them as a sign that you've made a mistake or that it's the wrong thing to do. Just know that it's completely normal. They will come, they will go. And stay connected with the people who do love you, who do accept you. Um, I mean, to me, this is how you stay grounded, by surrounding yourself with people who truly appreciate you and love you. I, uh, I want to thank you for that because that is beautiful and uh, that is very, very insightful and I know that's going to help a lot of people, what you just said there. Thank you. The, I want to pick up on what you said about working with your guilt mm-hmm. because a lot of times we push our feelings away. So in my, in my situation, um, I'm not going to give the whole story, but I'm just going to say that um, the individual has said, I don't really want to be in relationship. Mm-hmm. I want them. Mm-hmm. And as a 45-year-old woman, I, I, and it caused me to just to swing into the self-doubt where I, was, I went, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Was I not made right? Mm-hmm. Who am I? And I, I went to my people and I said, tell me if there's something here that is true that I need to work on. Like, what is it here? And every single person that seasoned accountability partners in my life said to me, absolutely not. Look at your life. Look at your relationships. They're all thriving. They all look mm-hmm. this way. This is who you are in the world. Mm-hmm. But for me, I had to move between these feelings of just mm-hmm. unworthiness and the guilt. And you know, Lana, what got me through was feeling the anger, mm-hmm. feeling the pain of the emotion and asking, why are you here? The anger came to protect me. Okay. The guilt came to say, you, the sadness came to say, what do you need to let go? And I had to move into a position of forgiveness and give myself pos- um, permission to see myself with another level of self-compassion that incidentally I hadn't had before. Right, right. So that whole situation 
was a gift to me while it's incredibly messy. Well, certainly if you feel like there's a lot of um, anger, um, sadness and other emotions that are tied into this uh, situation of, of no contact or some kind of conflict, um, then certainly dealing with that is a priority. Um, I mean, obviously the, the best way or the most um, effective way to deal with it is to seek help. Um, yes, uh, please don't... Um, uh, don't see it as a sign of weakness. You know, uh, going to a mental health professional can be extremely, extremely helpful, even if it's not meant as a long-term therapy. Even short-term therapy can make um, a big difference in your life, especially if you have a counselor who is experienced with these types of uh, situations. The alternative to that is uh, what you've mentioned. You've, you've mentioned... Uh, um, working with your feelings of anger um, and sadness uh, in a sort of a meditative um, way. Um, that is very, very, uh, very effective and very good. Um, just trying to locate that feeling in your body. Um, trying to feel, not trying to feel, but allowing that emotion to come out. Don't force your emotions back in. Allow them to come out and locate them in your body. Then um, surround that area with light and ask the creator um, or whoever you consider to be the higher power to heal you, to release that emotion. Yes. Um, another approach, this is more mental approach for people who are, you know, who connect better with mental techniques rather than spiritual um, it's from cognitive behavioral therapy approach um, that basically says that if you change the way you think about situations, you, you change the way you feel. So, uh, <clears throat> for example, if you're working with a feeling of guilt, write out um, statements about your guilt. Uh, for example, I feel guilty because... You know, um, because if I cut off my parent, I feel like I'm a bad child. Or I feel guilty because they've done so much for me. I feel guilty because, uh, you know, Bible says or whatever. Um, write out as many of those statements as you can, as you can come up with. Uh, at least five. Then come up next to each of those statements. Come up with a counter statement. Find a way to contradict each one of those statements because each one of those guilt-inducing statements is false. I'm telling you it is false. Your mind is absolutely tricking you to feel that way. You can absolutely contradict every one of those statements. And every time you feel that way or a thought pops into your head, you can now contradict it. And that will have an effect on how you feel. We have so many unconscious beliefs that we carry with us. And oh. those beliefs drive how we feel. <laughs> so what you talked about at the very, very beginning, you said changing your personal matrix. Right. That's it. That's it. That's it. Where you're changing, you begin to you realize that what you just said, this unconscious belief is a statement that somehow you learned. It is not you in the moment. Right. Reframing those negative or those cycling beliefs mm -hmm. by identifying the counter. Right. That is life-changing. That will yep. change people's lives, Lana. This is where for people who are on both sides, there's, it's very mentally exhausting and it, it really affects your mental health. Does it not? It does. It okay. Does. So let's go for anger. What do we do with the anger? Again, um, take a piece of paper, write out why you feel angry. Everything, everything that you're feeling. 
right? Uh, don't just, and, and, and don't hold back. Make sure that you really express it. Don't choose words. Just curse if you want to. Just, just, just put it out there. But anger is a little bit different because anger is, um, anger is not exactly the same as guilt. Um, anger is more connected with you uh, holding on to something. So the, ideally the best way to get rid of anger is through forgiveness. So writing it out helps because it lets it out. Um, let it out like you've never let out anything before in your life. Just really, you know, forget all the societal standards and just let it rip. And at the end, at the end, you have to be done with it. Just thank you. I forgive you. I let go of this anger now. I love that. And something I, I did a show yesterday on self-compassion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, her name is Dr. Adia Gooden. And I mm-hmm. said to her, you know, for me, as I was walking through this, I've, I've done what you've said. And I one of the things that let me tap into that anger was realizing that anger was like a guardian. Mm-hmm. like there to go who is there and what is coming at my spirit and my soul to to hurt me and it was really what do I need to protect here what do I need to save and when I moved through that of conscious complaining and, and letting it go the element of forgiveness for me was this when I was forgiving this person I realized that my expectation mm-hmm. was that they would change right and what I let go of mm-hmm. is that it could not have played out any different. Mm-hmm. They, the expectation was that it couldn't be any different. It happened. It happened. It was. That is it. Letting go freed me to go. It couldn't have played out any different. That was their choice. Now my choice is to let go of that expectation and say, it, it wasn't different, it isn't different, but I'm choosing to make it different within myself by saying, I'm at peace with this. This is on you. This is not on me. And it's freeing me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I find that uh, an obstacle for a lot of people to forgive is because they're waiting for the person to apologize. Right. This is the biggest thing. Like, oh, I can't forgive. They haven't acknowledged it. They haven't said sorry. How can I forgive? People think that if they forgive, it's like saying it's okay. Like saying what happened to them was okay. This is completely different. You're not saying it's okay. You're saying you're no longer willing to sabotage yourself with that anger, with that sadness, because it's just carrying it for years and years. It just kind of sends your life in a certain direction. When you finally let it go, you adjust your life path. What would you say to someone to summarize this conversation that we've had? How do we encapsulate this for someone and encourage them and inspire them? If you're in a relationship with someone and something doesn't feel right, don't just push that feeling away. Um, don't just make excuses for their behavior or for, for whatever happened. Really look at it honestly. Honestly ask yourself, is my relationship the relationship of equals? Is my relationship respectful? Is my relationship loving? Do I feel supported in this relationship? Do you feel like the person sees you for who you are? Do you feel like they wish the best for you? Or do they just say the right words but act differently? Um, If it's someone in your family, know that abuse is abuse. 
It can be your mother. It can be your father. It can be your sister. It can even be your child. Abuse is abuse. And emotional abuse is very rampant because a lot of the times it's invisible. So I know it's hard when you're in the midst of it, when you're still in a relationship. So you're not kind of looking back at it and just reassessing. If you're still in the midst of it, your vision can be clouded. You can feel powerless. You can feel helpless. You're not sure if what you're feeling or thinking is right because you've been gaslighted for years. Uh, just know that there is hope. There is strength within you that's always been there. And this person is never going to change that. So connecting with that power within. Uh, connecting with people who you feel strong with and comfortable with. That's going to bring you out of it eventually. Know that this is not, this doesn't define you. It doesn't mean that you're a weak person or that you're a stupid person or that you've uh, done something to deserve it because you did not. Well, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> Except to say, Lana from ToxicTies.com, this has been enlightening to me. I, I am in gratitude to you. I am to, I am to you. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, Lori. I, I really appreciate it. You are an absolute treasure. And thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Thank you, Lori.